Can I get 20 minutes of your undivided attention tonight in this place? Everybody say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe that I have it. And so, um, you know, you guys usually, I preach up here with an iPad, and I have notes that I never get all the way through. And God's been dealing with me over the last couple months, if you guys have noticed. There's been no computer. It's just been whatever the Holy Spirit puts on my heart, and that's what comes out to you guys. And so tonight, I believe he's given me a message, and uh, I need your help to pull it out of me, all right? The way you do that is by, you know, responding with, you know, amens at the appropriate time. Amen. You know, uh, thank you. That was good timing, you know, uh, you know, by paying attention and just being with me because it'll be good. And so I don't know exactly where we're going to go. Let's just dive in and get there. I want to read this definition of worship to you guys. The appropriate response to God's self-revelation. The appropriate response to God's self-revelation. And so from that definition of worship, we can look at people and we can tell by the way that worshiping God if they have any revelation of God. You can look at people and you can say, okay, that person has their hands lifted up. They have a revelation of how to surrender to God because God's revealed himself to them in a certain way. You can see people, you know, when they sing along and maybe somebody's jumping and dancing, they have a self-revelation with God. And this is what I believe is going to happen. I believe that God is wanting to reveal himself to you. Someone say to me. To me. Someone say to me. And I believe as God reveals himself to you, it's going to change the way you worship because when someone reveals themselves to you, there's an appropriate response that we call worship. Amen. And so I was thinking about this and I was wondering, when people don't worship God, it's because they don't have a revelation of God, which means they don't know God. Because when you know God and he's been revealed to you, there's going to be a corresponding action that we call worship. Now look at this. Go over to Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, if you have apps, uh, you can be on your phone as long as you're in the Bible app. But if you're not in the Bible app, don't be, you know, shooting off TikToks or whatever y'all do these days. I don't even know. I can't keep up with all of them. Matthew 21. And we're going to read this. This is called the triumphal entry of Jesus. And uh, we're just going to start down in verse 8. No, we'll start in verse 6. So what's going on is Jesus is about to ride into town. He sends out two disciples and they get him a donkey. It's so interesting that Jesus asked for a donkey. I would have got me a nice horse, you know. But Jesus said, go get me a donkey. He said, ask this man for a donkey. And if anyone says, why do you need it? Tell him the king has need of it. So they went and got a donkey and they threw their clothes on it. And then Jesus sat on the donkey. And now Jesus is riding into town on a donkey. Now look at this. In verse 6, it says, the two disciples did just as Jesus said. They brought the animal to him and they threw their garments over the colt. And he sat on it. Most of the crowd, now look at this, spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. The others took branches off of the trees and they spread them on the road. He was the center of the procession. And the crowds all around him were shouting. Now look at this. Praise God for the son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest of heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. I love that. The whole city was stirred as Jesus entered. But as Jesus is riding in on this donkey, and you've ever worked on a ranch like I have or lived on a farm like I have, you understand that barn animals are pretty filthy. They're just kind of gross. They're dusty. They, they have poop all over them. You know, I mean, it's just kind of a weird situation. So Jesus is riding in on this donkey that's probably pretty dirty, came right from the field, and he's riding in on it, and you have people taking off their clothes 
taking off their garments and their shirts and laying it in front of the donkey, not so Jesus can walk on it, but the donkey that Jesus is riding on it can walk on it. Amen. What were they doing? Thank you, TJ. They were worshiping Jesus. Now, what would cause somebody to take off their clothes. Now, listen, I know clothes, they mean a lot, of, a lot to us. I see some of y'all walking around in your shoes and you just walk flat-footed because you don't want to crease your toes. Amen, amen. Right? Yeah, DJ knows what I'm talking about. Why? Because your shoes, they mean a lot to you, right? And so we, we value clothes. We value good clothes. We like to look nice. What would cause somebody to take off their Lululemon hoodie? <laughs> What would cause someone to take off their Jordans and throw it on the pathway so Jesus' donkey could walk on it? This is what would cause it. They had a revelation of who he was. Amen. They knew this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is one that can save my soul from hell. This is one that can restore me, can heal me, can cleanse me, can provide for me. This is the one that the prophets talk about. This is the Son of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. Let me just go ahead and worship by throwing my garments on the ground so his donkey can walk. When you know who he is, you will have extravagant worship no matter who's watching and who's in the room. When you know who he is, it doesn't matter if the person to your left or your right is lifting their hands. When you know God for yourself and you know Jesus, worship will respond with a self-revelation of God. Amen. The appropriate response. Here's the problem. Most Christians don't really know him. They have no revelation. Yeah, maybe your parents know God, but do you know God? Oh, well, I gave my life to Jesus and he saved me from hell. Yes, he is the savior, but hell, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. We're not promised tomorrow. That, that, that decision may come sooner than later. But when we talk about being saved from hell, sometimes I think we think that's so far off. And so we really don't value it. Do we really know God? Do you know him as the king? Do you know him as the provider? Do you know him as savior? Do you know him as peace? Do you know him as protector? See, I know him this way. And since I know him this way, I only have one response to give. And it's the appropriate response to God's self-revelation. I love you. This is why you'll see me jumping in church. I love, let's go to Acts chapter 3. This one just kind of popped up. And then we're going to look at something else. Acts 3. Now, this is the disciples. They're going to the gate called Beautiful. Uh, Peter and John, they went to the temple one afternoon to take part of a three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, there was a lame man from birth that was carried there each day. He was put beside the temple gate called Beautiful uh, so he could beg from people as they were going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money but I'll give you what I have. See, he's about to minister to him, and the reason he's about to minister him is because he knows Jesus, and he knows what he has in his relationship with Jesus, right? And since he knew that he had something, he was about to have a corresponding action to what he believed. And now watch what happens. This is awesome. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did this, the man's feet and ankle bones were filled with strength and healed. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and look, began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Well, what's the temple? This is a temple. 
So this dude has this experience where he is crippled and he's been laying by this gate begging for people for money. And then all of a sudden, he gets a self-revelation of who God is. God is my healer. And then look at what his response is to that self-revelation. He jumps up, he runs into the temple, dancing and shouting and praising God. Amen. See, when you know God and you know Jesus and he's revealed himself to you, there's going to be this appropriate response that we call worship. And it's not just here, even though it is here, we lift our hands when we sing, we sing with the songs, we clap, we jump, we dance. We don't do stuff that's out of order. We can tell the vibe in the room. But also, worship doesn't stop in this building. Amen. We worship God at school with our lifestyle. We worship God at work with our lifestyle. We worship God when we're home with our family, in our bedroom when no one's watching, with our lifestyle, because we have a revelation of God. And the only time we don't worship him with our life is because we don't know him. Now, this is where it gets interesting, guys. There's only one way to really know him. And that's through this book. Amen. If a Christian doesn't have a revelation of who Jesus and God is, it's because they've never read this book. Let me show you why real quick. Go over to John. Now, it's interesting, when we have a revelation of God, we'll do some wild things. I remember David over in 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 6, there was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which was just a real interesting wild box. And on the inside of that Ark of the Covenant, everybody, anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? You know, when Moses went up on the hill and God wrote on stone the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not do this. He wrote them on those pillars, those rocks, and then he brought them down off the mountain. Well, they had them build this box and they put those commandments in the box and it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And because the word of God was in the Ark of the Covenant, everywhere the Ark went, the blessing of the Lord went. Because if you have the word, you have the blessing. Why? Well, we're going to look at it here in a minute. Well, anyways, David, who was king at the time in 1 Samuel chapter 6, he took the Ark of the Covenant because he was bringing it back to where he was living. And somebody treated the Ark the way that they weren't supposed to. And the Bible says that they fell over dead when they touched it. And they weren't a priest. They didn't have permission to touch it. Let me just say this real quick. Not my message tonight. Don't play with the things of God. Y'all, this isn't a game. We're not here playing. I'm not here to play with Jesus. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to mess with. He's not some board game that I just play with when I want to play a board game. He's not a video game that I just get out when I'm bored. No, this is a lifestyle. Lifestyle Christianity. We see this again in the New Testament with Ananias and her husband when they, 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 they lied, they played with God. And the Bible says that, well, they're not theology, the different theologians discuss the difference as to what happened, but they both fell over dead in the presence of God. Someone say, I'm not playing. And so the, one of David's men falls over dead and David says, Woo-wee, I don't know what to do with this thing. Let's just move it into Obed-Edom's house for a minute until I can figure out what to do. And he puts the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house. And this is what the Bible says. Everything in Obed-Edom's house prospered and he was blessed. And then David got a revelation. Everywhere that Ark goes, the blessing of God goes. 
Let me go get it right now and bring it here. So he went to Obed-Edom's house. He got the Ark of the Covenant, which had the word of God in it. And because of that revelation, the Bible says that David, who was king, danced out, tearing his loincloth, danced in front of the Ark of the Covenant as they brought it to his town. And then his wife saw him. And when he got back to the temple, she said, yo, kings don't behave this way. You're out there dancing, looking like a fool. And David's response to her was, woman, you think I'm dancing now? You haven't seen anything yet. Why? Because something was revealed to him. God wants to reveal himself to you guys. He does. Now look at this. This is how he does it. John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word already existed. He, who? The word, which is who? Jesus, was with God and was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists he didn't make. Life itself, life itself is in him. And this life gives light to everyone. Now, this is why I said the only way you can have a relationship with Jesus. Now, there's things that can enhance that relationship. Praise and worship enhances it. Maybe someone in here is saying, I've prayed before and it didn't work. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know him? Because if you don't know him, and I'm not talking about just being born again, do you really know him? If you don't know him, then you don't know how to pray. Because prayer is talking to him. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at prayer. There's so many things that prayer does in our life. Prayer brings salvation. I mean, I mean I'm not going to go through the list. There's so many things, but you can't pray to Jesus and expect an answer if you don't know Jesus. Because what are you even asking for? Dude, come on. We've got to get to know him. Let me put it another way. I don't know if I should put it that way or not. <laughs> you ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you thought was like the stuff and then the more you got to know them, the less you liked them? No, has that ever happened? Not just me. Okay. <laughs> I'm grateful that my wife, like when I started dating her, the more I got to know her, the more I liked her. And that's why I married her. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if we were honest with each other, we've all had a relationship, whether it's a friend, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And the more that relationship evolved, the more we were like, dang, what am I into here? And when we figured out what we were into, <laughs> we ran away. <laughs> you know, we got a revelation of what this person was like. And since we had a revelation, we turned and we ran away from him. Listen, when you get a revelation of who God is and what he wants to do in your life, you won't turn and run away from him. You'll turn and run right to him. But the reason why people aren't running to him is because they don't know him. And the reason they don't know him is because they're not reading the word. And the word is Jesus. Dude, can I just be brutally honest with you? If we call ourselves Christians at some point, we're going to have to read the Bible. Amen. At some point. It's an app on everyone's phone. And if it's not on your phone, it's available to be on everyone's phone. Just like all the other apps that you use for 24 hours throughout the day. Just like you use Spotify and Snapchat and, and just like you use TikTok and Instagram. It's, there's an app. Where God can talk to you on your phone. What am I saying? It's not difficult to have this relationship with him. Amen. And here's so many Christians, you know, you go over to James and it talks about 
how an unstable-minded man or a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What is that? That's somebody that, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, no, I'm not a Christian. Yes, I believe. Oh, no, I don't believe. The Bible says that's being double-minded and it's unstable. But listen to this. It also says that man will receive nothing from the kingdom. So what does that mean? If I want everything that Jesus has for me, then I've got to be faithful to him. He's not my part-time lover. I'm not just doing this on the side. This is, I'm in this relationship. I'm married to him. I'm the bride of Christ. He's the husbandman. This is a relationship. And I need to grow in that relationship. And the only way to grow in that relationship is through the word. You know, you go to uh, Exodus when Moses was leading the children out, the children out. You see it again in Numbers. The Bible says that God rained down manna from heaven. Where is it? Let's just try to find it real quick. Y'all give me a second while I find it. I think it's Exodus 16. This will be our last scripture for tonight. So what am I trying to encourage you to do tonight? I'm trying to encourage you to engage with this relationship you have with Jesus. And as you engage in this relationship, he's going to reveal himself to you. And that revelation is going to be seen through your worship. If people aren't worshiping, it's because they don't know him. All right. Amen. Everyone say, I'm doing fine. All right. So, yeah, it is. Exodus 16. It says, then they left this place, and it says they went back to Egypt. Or so, okay, so what's going on is they're, they're on this journey. You know, that God called them out of Egypt, delivered them from slavery. They were, they were being taken advantage of. They crossed the Red Sea. God killed all the people that were chasing them in the Red Sea. It was supposed to be an 11-day journey, and they're out there for 40 years because they disobeyed God. I don't have time to teach on that, but they're on the way, and every place they stop, everybody's complaining to Moses, who's the leader. We're going to die out here. We're going to starve out here. We're gonna, we have nothing to drink out here. And so Moses goes to God, and God tells him this. He says, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, look. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people can go out. Now look at this. Each day and pick up as much bread as they need for that day. The King James Version actually says it better. It says they can go get the quota of bread for that day. Now, what else do we know about bread? Jesus is the bread of life. So when you partake of bread, you're partaking of Jesus. See, there's natural things in here, but there's also spiritual things. The bread he's talking about right here, yes, it's natural bread, but it's a spiritual type and shadow of Jesus. And so Jesus, God is saying they need to go out and they need to partake of the bread. They need to partake of Jesus. And then he said they need to do this daily and make sure they get their quota for that day. So my question to you is, have you taken your quota of the bread today? Y'all know what a quota is, right? A quota is like, you know, maybe you're a salesperson and they say you need to sell five pairs of shoes before the 15th of this month or you're fired. That's your quota. Well, God's telling them, you know, in or- and this is what he said. In order to survive, they need to take the right quota of bread and then on Sundays have them take twice as much. Ooh, because Sunday we'd be feasting. <laughs> Sunday's a good day. Let us eat. And so the question is, guys, listen, as a Christian, there is a quota, an amount of this you need to take in every day to be successful at being a Christian. And this is something that is lacking amongst the younger generation. But you guys are going to change it. 
Mm, I'll give you another chance for an amen. You guys are going to change it. Amen. You're going to start. I believe in you. You're going to start taking in your daily quota of God's word. Amen. Well, Robert, why would I do that? Listen, either it has the power to do everything it says it can do or it doesn't. But this is the guarantee I'll make you. If you'll get your quota for 30 days, if you're not fully satisfied, I'll give you your money back. 30 days. That's my personal guarantee. <laughs> you know, you read this song and look at and then God said this, I will test them in this. So it's like God saying, test me in this. Just get your daily quota for 30 days and see if you don't feel better. Get your quota for 30 days and see if life doesn't become easier. Get your quota for 30 days and see if you don't have answers. Because you know those questions that are in your head right now that you're thinking about while I'm preaching? God has answers for those. Where's that answer come from? Get your quota. God can clean up your mess if you get your quota. Amen. He can heal your body if you get your quota. <laughs> he can prosper you if you get your quota. Amen. If you start doing and, and feasting on this daily bread. And listen to me, guys. This is when my life really changed. When I started diving into this word, because as I dive into this word, as I put this word into me, I'm putting Jesus into my life. Because Jesus is the word. Things that used to be a struggle are no longer a struggle. Things I used to worry about, I don't worry about anymore. But I can tell you this, when I stop taking in my daily quota, I start worrying about those things again. Can I just tell you, I mean, I'm not a rich person by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to finances, but I never worry about finances. Why? Because I know my provider. Amen. Because I study scripture about how Jesus is my provider. A couple years ago, there was something going on with my blood. They did a bunch of blood work. I was going to the Cancer Institute. Every single week, they were drawing blood, drawing blood, drawing blood. My wife and I, we put our faith on it. They said, you know, we don't know what's going on, but we can't find anything wrong. You look perfectly healthy. I know him as my healer because I've studied scripture about how Jesus is the healer. When storms of life come to me, which they come to every single one of us, when storms of life come to me, my house doesn't blow over. Why? Because I've built my life on the rock, which is Jesus. Am I saying it's easy? Absolutely not. It's not always easy. But at least in the middle of the storm, I have hope. Amen. Because I have Jesus. Amen. And because I've been feeding on bread from heaven. You know, there's a lot of people when they come into storms, they have no hope. You can have hope in every single storm. And not only can you have hope in every single storm, you got one that's willing to quiet the storm on your behalf. Everyone say, engage. engage. You've got to engage in this relationship. Don't be one of those Christians who expects the promise and never sees them because you don't engage. Amen. Be one of those Christians who expects the promise and you receive the promise because you're engaging in your relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen? If you would, just close your eyes and bow your heads real quick. Father, I pray for every single student, every single leader that's represented here tonight. I just ask that you would help us meet this challenge. Let us read your word, Father. Let us just start one scripture on our phone for 30 days. 
It's real simple. It's just a, you can make a widget on your iPhone. And it gives you the verse of the day. Just one scripture. And watch what the word does in your life. Woo. Mm. If you could see what God sees, if you could see what I see, you wouldn't even think about it. You'd just do it. So, Father, I pray for these students. I ask that you'd help them. And maybe even for some of those who try to read their Bible, maybe it's difficult. Father, help them. Illuminate your word to them. Make it easy. It's in your name I pray. Now, while your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, let me just ask you a quick question. If there's anybody in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you would like for him to reveal himself to you in that way tonight. If you want Jesus to be revealed to you as Lord and Savior, because without that revelation, you're not sure if I were to die tonight, would I go to heaven for all of eternity or would I go to hell for all of eternity? Maybe up until this point you haven't had that revelation, but God has brought you here on purpose to receive a self-revelation of who God is as your Savior. The Bible says that He is the only gate and He is the only road and that there's not many paths to heaven, there's only one path. There's not many paths to the Father, there's one path and His name is Jesus. And then it says, as you believe in, this is in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, as you believe in heart, you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And it's pretty miraculous what he does in that moment. He takes our sin nature, which the book of Ezekiel calls our heart of stone out of us. And the Bible says he puts a heart of flesh on the inside of us. He removes Adam's nature from our life and he placed Christ's nature on the inside of us. Making us righteous, holy, holy, justified and forgiven. 